Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. You're tuned into Questions for Corbett. And this week's question comes in from Chrissy, who writes regarding World War III. Clearly, this is not going to be fought with troops, aircraft carriers, tanks, etc., any more than it will be sabers on horseback. If the aim is to eliminate as many people as possible, then bombs are a good move, especially nuclear, but you risk removing members of the elite families, and surely that has to be avoided. Do they all retreat onto islands in the Pacific or the Caribbean? Any thoughts? All right, thank you very much for the question, Chrissy. And yes, in fact, I do have quite a few thoughts on this subject. I hope people will type World War III into the search bar at CorbettReport.com to find some of the material that I've done on this subject over the years. I've done quite a lot of material on this subject over the years, uh, especially in the past couple of years, as some of my thoughts on this subject have begun to solidify. And one of the things, one of the conclusions I come to is that, yes, you are completely right. Of course, World War III will not involve dramatic battles on a battlefield with troops lining up uh, facing each other in trench warfare, World War I style. That is not what World War III would ever look like at this point, uh, just as World War I looked nothing like warfare of the 19th century, and World War II looked nothing like warfare uh, in, in the World War I era. Uh, the technological developments necessitated completely different stratagems and completely different conceptualizations of what warfare even is. And, well, you better believe, 80-plus years on from the World War II battles, yes, things are going to look very, very different in the next, the 21st century uh, framework for uh, world war. So, yes, having said that, I think there will be a lot of things that we don't even conceptualize as war, per se, that will be important, perhaps decisive elements of great war, uh, great power war in the 21st century. Cyber war, bio-warfare, financial warfare, asymmetric warfare, many different information warfare will be an exceptionally important part of the uh, whatever is going to happen in this century as it plays out. Uh, so, yes, absolutely, it will not look anything like warfare as we've known it, and I don't even think it's going to be bombs, bombing specific targets that's going to be the decisive measure in any of these battles that will be part of World War III. Having said all of that, there's an even more important underlying factor to this concept of World War III and the way that it's being employed. And in fact, this was one of the first things that I picked up on when I started covering the coronavirus crisis as it was starting to unfold back in March of this year. One of my first takes on this was a piece that I wrote for the International Forecaster called This is What World War III Looks Like, where I noted that all of the signs that we are engaged in warfare right now are already there, as I was starting to talk about at that time. Troops on the street? Check. Mass panic? Check. Martial law and the public being told to batten down the hatches? Check and check. World leaders telling their populations that the enemy is to blame for all the carnage? Check and check. And I give lots of examples of that, and then I go on to cite some of the examples of the leaders, the misleaders, who were employing the war rhetoric and language at that time to describe the war with the invisible enemy and Trump declaring himself a wartime president and enacting wartime legislation and Macron, nous sommes guerre, and Boris Johnson and Moon Jae-in and basically every leader of every, every power structure on the planet delighting in the idea of being able to declare this some sort of war because, of course, that gives them great power and leverage to discard the pesky rules 
those pesky things that are rights enshrined in some piece of paper somewhere. Ah, we don't have time for that. We're at war with an invisible enemy, no less an important part of the new construct for war that's coming into view. But although I do lay out, for example, how this fits into the World War III narrative that we are going to be fed throughout the 21st century, in which I have talked about before, the great war, great power war of the 21st century, the narrative that we're being fed is, broadly speaking, the U.S., the unitary world superpower, the unquestioned, unchallengeable world superpower, uh, and its allies will be pitted against China and Russia and Iran and North Korea and whoever else you want to throw into that axis of evil or whatever it will be called in the conflict of the 21st century. Uh, but the, essentially it will boil down to, if you want to boil it down to, U.S. versus China. And this is a concept, this, this battle uh, is something that I've talked about at length many, many times. So please look into my archives for this. But boiling it down to its very, very essence... I'm going to say that the 21st century great narrative of the great war between the U.S. and China is going to be absolutely as phony, staged, rigged, manipulated as the narrative of the great war of the 20th century, which turned out to be the Cold War, of course, between the U.S. and the mighty Soviet Union, was uh, a ginned-up, phony, uh, manipulated conflict. Now, again, there are many, many different things that need to be said here and many stipulations that need to be made and, of course, many caveats that, yes, of course, many of the people, and I would imagine the vast majority of the people in the various power structures in each of these various nation states truly do conceive of the other side of this as their enemy and what have you. And yes, there. I mean, the, the conflict is genuine in the sense there will be real conflict. And as always, the people i.e. you and me and our children and whoever else, will pay for this conflict with our blood, while the people manipulating this conflict will be laughing all the way to the bank, as usual. Um, but nonetheless, I think there will be real conflict and real military aggression that behind the scenes will be manipulated. And there are many different things that we have to note about that manipulation and how it occurs and why and under what pretense. But as I say, I've talked about this many, many times. I've talked about the staged and manipulated Cold War era uh, and the work of, say, Antony Sudden in uh, exposing how the, the Soviet Union was a paper tiger constructed out of Lend-Lease and other transfer programs of technology and aid of various sorts from the U.S. to their arch-enemy boogeyman, the Soviet Union, which they made into a boogeyman. And the a very similar, shall we say, a very similar process has taken place over the past few decades to create the Chinese dragon, which did not just appear out of nowhere. But as I say, I've talked about this many, many times, China and the New World Order and the various iterations on that theme. So I will throw some links in the show notes in case you want to explore that further. And I did note that in this article on This Is What World War III Looked Like, where I noted, oh, look, they're starting to uh, roll out that, that narrative right here. Because, of course, it was them their Chinese chaicoms that did this virus on the world, and they got to pay for it, I tell you. And so suddenly, just flip that switch, and suddenly a large portion of the public can be whipped into a frenzy of hatred against those dastardly Chinese who, of course, have polluted the world with their dangerous virus. And the only way to combat the virus is to start implementing the Chinese-style police state everywhere around the world. Hmm, one of these things doesn't seem to quite add up, does it? It's 
terrible when they do it. It's great when we do it. <laughs> Again, I trust that my regular audience knows how this game works, but that goes to the deeper and more fundamental underlying point that I want to bring out here, which is that World War III, I think, is already underway. In fact, it looks so different from any other form of warfare we have ever experienced that we do not recognize it even as it is happening. But it raises the most important question of all. Who is this war actually directed against? Who is the enemy in this war? And the answer may surprise you. Um, as I talk about in that article, I say, even as I type, the troops are being deployed in country after country. And who are they pointing their guns at? Their fellow countrymen. Cyber warfare operations are being waged right now to knock out enemy communication systems and to label all enemy transmissions as disinformation. But who is being targeted in all of this? Citizen journalists and conspiracy realists. Political destabilization campaigns are being waged, but the attackers are the Democratic Party, caught rigging their own primaries, and the establishment press, trying to undermine political decisions made by referenda, and the academic establishment, rallying opposition against democratically selected governments in the supposedly free world. And whereas just a few months ago, protests and demonstrations were so pervasive all around the globe that I dedicated an entire column to the phenomenon, now country after country is declaring gatherings of more than 10 people to be illegal. Well, obviously we've moved on from that paradigm, but you get, you get where we were. Time and time again, we find that the war that is being waged is a war by government, military, financial, and corporate power against the masses of humanity, that would oppose them. This is the true nature of World War III. It is being waged right now. And in the eyes of the authoritarians, we are the enemy. An incredibly important point. Yes, World War III is underway and it is a war by the authoritarians, the oligarchs, the would-be rulers and controllers of society against free humanity or What's, whatever is left of the dregs of once free humanity. And the, the primary method by which this is being waged at this particular juncture is not the war on terror paradigm, which we are exiting, but the biosecurity paradigm, which we are entering. And we are only starting to get a taste of what that will involve. But it is warfare waged on the public. And the best short to the point encapsulation of that new paradigm that I have seen articulated anywhere is by Giorgio Agamben, who wrote Biosecurity and Politics. And I want to read a little bit of that to give you a sense of where this warfare is going. So he writes about Tempet Microbien by Patrick Zilberman, a publication from 2013 that described the process by which health security hitherto on the margins of political calculations, was becoming an essential part of state and international political strategies. At issue is nothing less than the creation of a sort of health terror as an instrument for governing what are called worst-case scenarios. It is according to this logic of the worst that already in 2005, the World Health Organization announced 2 to 150 million deaths from bird flu approaching. Suggesting a political strategy that states were not yet ready to accept at the time, Zilberman shows that the apparatus being suggested was articulated in three points. One, 
The construction on the basis of a possible risk of a fictitious scenario in which data are presented in such a way as to promote behaviors that allow for governing an extreme situation. Two, the adoption of the logic of the worst as a regime for political rationality. Three, the total organization of the body of citizens in a way that strengthens maximum adherence to institutions of government, producing a sort of superlative good citizenship in which imposed obligations are presented as evidence of altruism, and the citizen no longer has a right to health, health safety, but becomes juridically obliged to health biosecurity. What Zilberman described in 2013 has now been duly confirmed. It is evident that apart from the emergency situation linked to a certain virus that may in the future be replaced by another, at issue is the design of a paradigm of governance whose efficacy will exceed that of all forms of government known thus far in the political history of the West. If already, in the progressive decline of ideologies and political beliefs, security reasons allowed citizens to accept limitations on their liberty that they previously were unwilling to accept, biosecurity has shown itself capable of presenting the absolute cessation of all political activity and all social relations as the maximum form of civic participation. Thus, it was possible to see the paradox of organizations of the left, traditionally in the habit of claiming rights and denouncing violations of the Constitution, accepting limita limitations on liberty made by ministerial decree devoid of any legal basis, and which even fascism couldn't dream of imposing. It is evident and government authorities themselves do not cease to remind us of it, that so-called social distancing will become the model of politics that awaits us, and that, as the representatives of the so-called task force announced, whose members are in an obvious conflict of interest with the role that they are expected to exercise, advantage will be taken of this distancing to substitute digital technological apparatuses everywhere in place of human physicality, which as such becomes subject uh, suspect of contagion, political contagion, let it be understood. University lessons, as MIUR has already recommended, will be stably online from next year. You will no longer recognize yourself by looking at your face, which might be covered with a mask, but through digital devices that recognize biodata, which is compulsorily collected, and any crowd, whether formed for political reasons or simply for friendship, will continue to be prohibited." At issue is an entire conception of the destinies of human society from a perspective that, in many ways, seems to have adopted the apocalyptic idea of the end of the world from religions which are now in their sunset. Having replaced politics with the economy, now in order to secure governance, even this must be integrated with the new paradigm of biosecurity, to which all other exigencies will have to be sacrificed. It is legitimate to ask whether such a society can still be defined as human, or whether the loss of sensible relations, of the face, of friendship, of love, can be truly compensated for by an abstract and presumably completely fictitious health security. Powerful words, and I hope that people understand what is at stake here. Again, we are being steeped into a new paradigm, and whatever disruption has come along in that, uh, that narrative in the past few weeks, it is coming back. And you may have noticed 
they're prepping the public for the second wave and the second wave of shutdowns. And we have to, like the behavioral conditioning switch of the, uh, the, the, the behavioral conditioners, the social engineers training the pigeon to go around in circles. Well, we're going to train the public to lock down, social distance, uh, wear your mask. All of these things are being placed uh, as essentially operant conditioning. And that is what is happening right now. We are being placed in a new paradigm. And unless and until we see and understand and internalize this as warfare that is being waged, not by some nation state, not, not the Chai Coms, not the Ruskies, not any of the other boogeymen that are held out in front of you, but by the would-be controllers and leaders of our own societies against their own populations until we understand that that is the operative paradigm in which we are functioning. We will never even understand that World War III has already commenced and it is directed against you. Until you see that CCTV camera that's linked into the facial recognition system that's going to be linked to your biometric ID, it's going to be linked to your digital cashless payment, that's going to be linked to your immunity passport that will allow you, grant you access to this area or deny you access to that area until we understand that is the weaponry that is being used against us in this world war that is playing out right now for complete control, not of this or that geographical territory, but of the globe itself. Until we truly understand that and see it for what it is, how will we ever even begin to fight back? How will we ever even engage in the battle if we do not understand that a battle is taking place? That is the issue. That is what is at stake. The entire future history of civilization itself. Once again, I am I, at a loss for words to how to articulate this in a way that people will see it. All I can do is keep throwing darts at the board until a million darts line up and you start to see the picture. I hope that this helps to frame it in a way that you understand it, but see the weaponry that is being rolled out right now, that is being deployed against you as weaponry in a war that is being waged right now for the most important territory on the planet, the territory between your ears. That is what this is ultimately about. And biosecurity is the latest iteration of the narrative that they're going to use to try to, to win that war. So thank you for the question, Chrissy. You ask an important question. I know you were looking for answers along a certain path, but I think this other path is truly the real way that we have to encapsulate and understand what is happening right now. And uh, it's the most important issue we could be dealing with. And uh, at the risk of jinxing or uh, teasing too much, but at any rate, this is part of a longer project that I am working on that I wish was completed because it would be exceptionally relevant to the era that we're living through right now. But unfortunately, these things take time and it will be ready when it's ready. But uh, I do have a lot more to say on this subject and you will hear it in the future. But we're going to leave that there for today. Uh, thank you, Chrissy, for the question. And thank you to all of you out there for your support. I do appreciate it. James Corbett, CorporateReport.com.